Welcome to Seemingly Ordinary. It's a podcast about people who, on the surface, might appear to be totally ordinary, but underneath the surface, they have amazing things going on. Molly Cook started dancing at four years old, often devoting anywhere from one to five hours a day at her craft. And this was 50 out of 52 weeks per year, year after year. Molly became adept at many styles of dance, um, including ballet, but we're going to get into the other ones. She graduated from St. Academy High School or St. James Academy High School just a little bit ago. And since then, she's worked for the Oklahoma City Ballet for the last four years. This was the experience of a lifetime. It involved travel, work, and also pursuing excellence in a very difficult and crowded field. Now she's at a turning point in her life and we're going to talk about the past, the present, possibly the future as well. And she is here with her friend, Abby Herrick, who also graduated from SJA. We did a previous podcast episode together. They are good friends, and it is good that they are together. So, hi, Molly. Hello. I'm really excited to be here with Abby, too. Hi, Abby. <laughs> Hello. Well, Molly, let's just start with your whole life story. Um, how long have you been dancing? Yeah, so I've been dancing for 19 years. Oh my <laughs> which gosh. Which I was thinking about that the other day, and I was like, oh my goodness, I feel like for the last, like, five years, I've been saying, like, oh yeah, like, 16, 17 years, and I feel like that's never changed, or even, like, 15 years, and then I was like, wait, no, it's 19 years, like, that's... That's different. Like it got stuck. It got stuck on fifteen in your head for some reason. Yes, because I don't feel like I'm getting older, which is good. Um, I like being young, but I, <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> You're really yeah. not getting older because yeah. what are you twenty? Twenty two. So yeah, that's that's very 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 young. But yeah. on the other hand, my ninety five year old uncle mm -hmm. likes to tell his eighty two year old brother, mm -hmm. "You're just a kid." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think I've been used to that being in the professional world too, because I dance with people of all ages, people who are my age and people who are um, 10 years older than me, 15 years older than me, and um, always remind me of how young I am, which is good. <laughs> but um, yeah, okay. so it's weird to think that time is actually passing and I've been dancing 19 years now. It just blows my mind. Well, I, I want you to kind of trace for me, how did it start? What did it look like? I don't know what the brackets are in grade school, mm -hmm. high school, and now. Like, just how has it changed over time? What styles of dance do you do? Just everything. Yeah, so I started when I was three years old, um, and I actually really hated it at first. Um, my parents put me in it because they had a friend that owned a ballet school, um, that was really close to us, and so I needed to get out a lot of energy um, and to, yeah, just run around and hopefully find some grace doing that. <laughs> um, so my parents put me in ballet um, when I was three, and kind of um, at the same time, I was also being introduced to a lot of sports like soccer, um, later on basketball. I think I did a couple of cheer camps and just things that would allow me to um, get that energy out and um, find some good friendly competition um, and just, yeah, ways to um, 
I don't know, helped me to get to sleep at night when I was very young and full of energy. So um, I started when I was three and then I actually took a year off because of how much I hated it. <laughs> um, I loved, I loved soccer. And if you ask one of my former dance teachers, she will still remember, we were talking about this just a few years ago. Um, me, I think I had been sent out into the hall during a ballet class for talking. And um, she remembers me screaming, I don't want to dance, I just want to play soccer. <laughs> so that was, um, yeah, I guess what I wanted to do at the time. So I took a break from dance and um, kept pursuing sports at the ripe age of four years old. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, really, you know, got into uh, all of that. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I was very happy with that. That was, I was very content. Um, loved the competitive aspect of it. Um, and, you know, I think part of that was to maybe help me so I wouldn't um, fight with my siblings and I could get out that aggression on the field, maybe. Um, so um, really enjoyed those sports, um, started playing basketball, really enjoyed that. Um, and then a few years later, my parents decided to put me back into ballet and give that another try. And so they did. And um, I returned to my home studio and um, nothing changed. I really felt like completely the same still. You didn't, it. you didn't like it. I still <laughs> hated it. I really did. And I, it was boring. And, um, you know, I was the one that could never shut up in class. I was the talkative one. And of course in ballet, you don't talk. So that was a challenge for me. Um, and you're five years old. Yeah. Five, six years old. Okay. And, um, yeah, really did not like it at all. Um, and it wasn't until I was about nine or 10 where we were able to start performing mm. that changed my mind. And around the same time, mm. um, we also were preparing for point shoes. So point shoes mm. are, um, a huge milestone in any young dancers, um, I don't know, career, <laughs> um, where you, it's a completely different approach. Um, you are no longer a child, um, but you are moving towards the um, the phase in your in your dancing where you um, it's very crucial. You can either train to become a professional or not. It's really not that in between, like recreational anymore. And I think for a lot of studios, that's um, not as strict, but for my home studio where I grew up dancing, it was, it was one or the other, basically, um, at a young age. Uh, so I was, I think I was probably about 13 when I wanted to be a professional ballet dancer. Wait, um, just so I understand. So you got the point shoes at what age? I was 10. So we, um, that was introduced to me when I was about nine. Okay. Um, so at nine years old, we started taking these pre-point classes, which um, strengthen your ankles and mm. um, your mind <laughs> for mm. what you're about to, um, the challenges that you're about to, I don't know, just encounter. And so I was really, really excited for that. That completely changed my outlook of dance. 
Um, and, you know, as well, at the same time, we were starting to introduce um, the idea of performing and what that would all entail. And so um, very quickly, my mind was made up that this is what I wanted to do. So um, I was very, not really at the time, but now looking back, really <clears throat> grateful that my parents kept me in it. Um, so yes, 10 years old, I have my first pair of point shoes and um, I get to start performing. And so that um, kind of, I guess, brings me to um, at 10 years old, I think, is when I switched grade schools. So I was previously, um, my family was previously Lutheran and I was attending a private Lutheran school. And then um, my whole family converted to Catholicism um, in 2009, I think. Um, and so, or maybe it was 2008, but so all around that time, um, my family became Catholic. And so we switched churches, we switched schools. Um, so through all of that, um, I kept dancing and um, it was kind of the constant that was in my life since I've, you know, for as long as mm -hmm. that I can remember. Mm -hmm. um, so switched schools, um, continued to train. Um, and I remember there, I think I was like 13, 14. So right before entering high school, I think, yeah, 12, 13, 14. Um, I got a really wonderful opportunity to be Clara in the Nutcracker. Um, so yeah, with my home studio, that was, that was, I think when you like think back on times in your life where you are happiest, I mean, I hope that isn't the case for the, my whole life, but I, I was really, really happy in that time of my life. So you, you didn't, it was, you sort of peaked when you were 13. Yeah, yeah 12. Okay. Unfortunately. No, I, I hope there's, mm. there's more than No, that. there'll be more peaks. There'll be a lot more I peaks. Know. Also, I'm curious, back to the performing, like what about performing changed like made you love this craft mm. so honestly and i still believe this to this day that is my favorite part of um mm. ballet like the performance aspect mm. because you are it's just you and the audience even if other people are on stage it's just you and what you have to offer and there's something so thrilling about that um and just hoping that whoever is out there watching you, you can't really see them because it's dark <laughs> in the audience, um, that they will receive that and they will find joy and hope. And, and I think there's something so, um, I don't know, I've, as I've grown spiritually and in my faith, I feel like that aspect of, um, ballet, which has, you know, been my job for the last four years has, has only um, increased just that that desire to be in front of people and to be sharing something beautiful, mm -hmm. um, something that you know I of course worked for, but also like I know that this is um, this movement and this I don't know just flow of 
what we call ballet um, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's really, yeah, mm. it's, I don't know. Um, and so to be able to, I don't know, just come to a place of, of I don't really know how I'm doing this, um, but I know that this is um, from the Holy Spirit has been one of the most thrilling aspects of performing. And, um, I don't know. It's just it gives me chills. It, uh, <laughs> well, I, I hope this makes sense. I feel like there's so much to it that I don't mm. even personally understand that I just, um, I don't know. Just, uh, here's, yeah. here's kind of what I'm taking away so far is I'm almost left with more questions than answers. And, and I'm, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking you are creating beauty and we can't live without beauty. Mm-hmm. I, I just always think of something that I read where if life were reduced to getting food, getting shelter, making sure we had fuel, uh, making a living, uh, that sort of thing, we could all survive. You know, we could have mm-hmm. accounting, we could build airplanes and cars. It's just that we would be miserable because there wouldn't be any beauty in the world. There wouldn't be any dance. There wouldn't be any music. Mm-hmm. There wouldn't be any art. There would be no novels. There'd be no plays. And here you are. You are creating beauty, which is what makes people want to be alive for. And I'm just sort of captivated by the whole image that you're on a stage. You can't see the audience. So in a way, you are displaying or casting this beauty out into a black void. And and yet you know they're there. (laughs) Maybe you can feel yeah. them maybe you can hear them but and after the show you see them but I guess the performance probably feels like an act of faith mm. wow I really like that I I don't know yes absolutely I feel like that yeah that thrill of performing is is just being vulnerable mm-hmm. um because it's you know it's live performance you don't have a do-over you don't have a do-over you can't you can't be like a movie actor where the director says okay okay let's do that take again right so then you wind up with 35 takes exactly and and none of them you're happy with and so i think um there's there's a risk in performing that i cannot get enough of because exactly you Hmm. you have to give what you have without um, being ashamed of it. Because if you are ashamed, you can't, like the audience is going to know that. (laughs) You have to be, and so I think there's a lot of, um, yeah, I've heard a lot in my whole career so far, um, you just fake it until you make it. And I have never really understood that until I um, became a professional in this industry because you aren't going to, and I think it's, it's the same for how we view ourselves as, um, children of God, <laughs> because, um, we don't actually know what we truly look like, um, to ourselves or to others or even to God. That is, that's faith in itself is just trusting that we are, beautiful as God says we are. And so, um, I think that's been a tough, 
the tough part for me and, and something that I've personally had to overcome. And we can get into that, just different struggles. But um, just trusting that what you have to offer is is better than you can ever imagine. Oh. And um, yeah, it's, and it's not, it's not you either. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to see the whole um, finished product. And I mm-hmm. don't think that that's something that is even available for us to see until we reach that place of, um, well, heaven. <laughs> we reach that final um, beauty, mm-hmm. place of beauty. Um, so where it all kind of will be put together and make sense, but you do have to, in an act of faith, just blindly put yourself out there and, um, trust that it will be received by others and it will maybe be others hope and it will maybe be others. Um, I don't know. They're well, beauty is inspiring. Mm -hmm. When people see something beautiful, Mm -hmm. chances are, I mean, it can break your heart. But in a good way. I okay. I love that you mentioned that because I've been I've been really thinking about that idea of like how is it that beauty is so heartbreaking? And Abby and I actually had a great conversation. Like a three-hour conversation. Well, let's yeah yeah. At the end of it, we were like, we need to go and like stop thinking about this and like. I I kind of want to hear it. It's like how okay yeah give give me the. Give me the highlights. So, man. So beauty in itself, you know, does not have to be sad. Um, There are a lot of things that are sad that are really beautiful (laughs) Um, and have beauty just like, I don't know. Um, Well, even happy beauty, like let's say your two best friends, a guy and a girl fall in love and then they get married and then you are at their wedding and you are so ridiculously happy for them. And uh, okay, okay, I don't cry very much. I kind of wish I cried more. I'm probably lucky if I cry about once a year. I just feel like it's a good stress relief. But let's say, I don't know, I were a different person. And then I started to weep because I'm so happy because my two best friends, they found each other and now they're very happy. It's heartbreaking. You know, it's like people laugh until they cry and then other people cry until they laugh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And these two things Mm -hmm. are very close to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like so hung up on that right now. Um, Creating heartbreaking beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, beauty, beauty, beauty points, (laughs) beauty points toward God. Right. Right. Obviously. Abby said something the other day that I liked and it was simple. It was just, Beauty pierces us um, because something along the lines of because we know it's what we're made for and what we're longing for mm-hmm. and it's it's heaven you know and we know that we're not there yet and I loved that that really stuck with me because like it that's what our hope is is um, is beauty because that's what we're made for and so of course there's going to be that heartbreaking aspect of it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and to channel that into creative movement is, I think, going to be my life's work <laughs> at this point. Yeah. I, I don't know what that will look like. And, you know, that's not even to really um, deter this conversation to the future. But um, I think that that kind of sums up what we had talked about the other day. Mm-hmm. Abby, yeah. do you have anything you could add on the beauty yeah. conversation? 
He pointed out a scene from the pianist. Okay. Particularly. Yes. I want tell tell us why you like this particular scene from the pianist. For those I haven't even seen the film. But and and what is the scene? Explain a little. So yeah. Oh. For those of you, I'm going to try to do a little spark notes. Um, for those of you who have not seen the movie The Pianist, it's based on a true story in uh, well during World War II in Poland. Um, and this Jewish man uh, is he well formerly played for Polish Public Radio um, and played a lot of um, Chopin, I think is how you say his name. I don't want to say Chopin because I've gotten a lot of um, crap for saying that. <laughs> Chopin, I believe. I just feel really ridiculous every time I say it that way. But Chopin. Okay. I think it's so correct. I don't Chopin? know. <laughs> it sounds too sophisticated, but yes. Anybody um, who's listening, just give the podcast a five-star review. Just, just do it and listen to some Chopin. Yes. Um, so... Um, the scene in The Pianist, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the movie, um, pause this podcast and go watch it, um, right now. Um, but the scene is one, it's one of the final scenes of the movie where, um, this Jewish man, he's been hiding for years, um, because like all of his family has been captured and killed and he has absolutely nothing, um. So throughout the movie, it's the mo okay. Most of the movie is um, just his experiences in hiding and trying to navigate um, how to how to live, how to live with nothing. Um, and so, uh, I guess a common thread and, and theme in this movie is the piano and his love for that. Um, and that's all he has. That's all he has to think about. That's all he has to um, imagine. And that's his... About it, right? he, yes, he daydreams about it. Several scenes in the movie are him um, in hiding, uh, you know, obviously without a piano. <laughs> and he's playing the piano. And, well, in his mind. <laughs> and um, you just see his... He's, he's not afraid. He's completely at peace. Um, and you see his hope mm -hmm. is in that thing mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, that instrument, literal instrument of beauty. Um, so he is um, one of the final scenes. He's in hiding. He's discovered by a German officer um, who I don't even think is, you know, just a, an officer. I think he's an official um, and is in charge of probably many, many officers. And so he finds this, this Jewish man and he finds him in a house where there actually happens to be a piano. And, um, you know, of course, this man, I, I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. I think it's, no, I'm not even going to try. It's probably um, like a Polish name with about 17 letters yes, yeah. and no vowels, just I all Z's is, and C's. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to butcher it, but I think it's like Radslaw. Okay. Maybe. We're going to call him that. Let's go with that. Let's call him Bob. Okay, so okay. Bob is playing... He well, he's he's found um, by this officer, and um, he's questioned by the officer, and he says, or he asks him, um, "What do you do? Uh, who are you?" <laughs> Obviously, and he says that he plays for um, Polish Public Radio, and so there happens to be a piano where he's hiding, and um, he asks him. Well, he doesn't ask; he commands him 
okay, play, play for me. So he does, and he plays this like beautiful piece that I think I could listen to. Like if this were the only song I could listen to for the rest of my life, I would be completely fine with that because it is just so um, raw and emotional and um, just when I think of beauty, that's what I think of. So, um, so he plays this piece for him and um, it's kind of a mystery because you don't know if it's just, you know, the compassion of the officer or I'm sure it's probably a combination of compassion and of what he just heard and how beautiful it was and how moving it was. Um, because you really do, you listen to the song and you hear, um, you hear everything that he's gone through and you hear all of the fear, all of the anger, um, probably the relief of not being captured until then, um, but maybe the guilt of not being captured and his family dying, um, and just so many things, and yet there's still something in it that is hopeful, hmm. um, and I can't even really, I, I don't even know what that is, um, but if you listen to it, um, I would, I would suspect that you would hear that as well, so... Um, anyway, so that scene, I think, is very, if I were to describe what beauty is to someone, I would describe it as that, because mm. he is so hopeless, and so, um, he's lost everything, he doesn't have anything at all, he doesn't have family, he doesn't have an escape plan, a way out, he's just waiting to die, and yet he plays anyways. <laughs> and so I think like, you know, what is, why does that remain? Why does beauty remain? I don't know. Hmm. Um, and I think that that is, again, like I said, something that I, I want to spend the rest of my life trying to figure out. Um, but hmm. I can maybe only spend like, 10 minutes a day thinking about it or else I'll get a headache. So, <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part is the German officer's reaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, another spoiler. So he, uh. obviously, he, he leaves, the German officer leaves, and eventually he comes back to the same place where he found this man, where he found Bob, and um, he brings him food and he brings him his coat. And I'm just like, okay, well, that must have, he must have been so incredibly moved to risk his life because eventually this officer dies in, I think, a Soviet camp. Um, he dies and, and I mean, I don't know if he's ever caught for, for doing this. Um, okay, so this German this. officer's job is to basically kill mm -hmm. the pianist in this movie. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. his job. His job is like, hey, I found another Jew. My mm -hmm. job is to kill him. Right, beauty softens him. Yes. Yeah. Softens the, mm -hmm. the worst Nazi. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that other officers actually know that this officer found him. Um, so he kind of lets it slide, I guess, but I mean, that's been his life's work for years is to, um, is to kill these people, is to 
make sure that they're all gone. Right. And, um, yeah, I teach a World War II class, and mm-hmm. I just don't think you get high up the ladder in the Nazi command if you're feeling lukewarm about things. Right. Exactly. And so... <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, if so, you're kind of like, uh, Hitler, take him or leave him. No, no. I mean, it was the fanatically loyal people for 98% of cases, mm-hmm. I think, who... So this this guy truly is a vicious killer. Right. right. And he organizes less vicious killers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah. then he's mesmerized. Absolutely. I think it just... It shows what a vulnerable position... I don't know. And combining just vulnerability with with beauty, which I think they're also kind of one and the same. Mm-hmm. But man, this stuff is like above my head even. Can, so I it's hard to explain, but Can I ask uh I guess a personal question? So you're putting yourself out there as a dancer, and I'm just thinking, you, you've just used the word vulnerable quite a lot, and I'm thinking, yeah, I guess physically you feel vulnerable because, mm-hmm. I don't know, if you had a cold or something, mm-hmm. you might not perform as well. Mm-hmm. And if you had the flu, you couldn't perform at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's physical, but also maybe emotionally you feel vulnerable. Maybe mm-hmm. on every level you feel vulnerable. Yet you've been doing this since you were four years old. Right. And then they give you the pointer shoes, which, okay, I, I didn't know anything about that, but apparently, okay, that's like a graduation. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you're a professional. You've got to take this very seriously. And they give those to you when you're 10 years old. Right. Of course, now, I mean, at that point, you've been dancing since you were four, so that's six years worth of experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess just a brief tangent. When you said that, I thought about Mozart and I thought about Tiger Woods, who, okay, they both start, <laughs> this is a little crazy, but they both start when they're about three years old. Yeah. Like Mozart's dad was a master instructor mm-hmm. and he's like, hey, Wolfie, do you want to play the piano Wolfie. with daddy? <laughs> and then little Wolfie Amadeus Mozart says, yeah, Wolfie loves daddy and Wolfie loves the piano. So, and then by the time this kid is like 15, you know, he's, he's a world-class artist, but I mean, he's had 12 years of experience. He had a master instructor. He's been going at this for 12 years. I know less about Tiger Woods, but my understanding is he basically had the same situation. He's about three years old, and his dad is like, okay, you can't come back in the house until you get a hole in one. I don't know if it was mm. quite that bad, but but I mean, you know, it's kind of like go, 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 yeah. starting at about the age of three. I mean, so right. this kid has had 10 years of professional instruction by the mm-hmm. time he's 13. Yeah. And I'm thinking that was kind of your situation. You're mm-hmm. three, by the time you're about 13, you've had 10 years of professional instruction. Mm-hmm. And you still feel vulnerable. Too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's thank you. Because that's where I started. Yes. Yeah. Like how do you how do you cope with the vulnerability? So that's a really important distinction to make. I think um, that the professional or yeah, professional instruction um, shapes you technically. So um, I think I don't know, I would I would say I could more relate <laughs> to Mozart in that sense where you you have the technique and um but the artistry so it's both um technique ath- and yeah, soul athletic and um artistic and so of course 
I mean, I, I can't say that a, a football player doesn't experience the same emotions that I do <laughs> in their um, I don't know, performance, <laughs> their, their craft. But I mean, because they're what they have to put on the table seems to me like I would say more athletic than artistic <laughs> um, and and seems to kind of stay there um, but I mean of course I know there's a lot of passion and um, uh, I don't know emotion that probably goes into that as well um, so for the Personally, I've always been more attracted to the artistic side. I know some people who um, are more attracted to the athletic side. Um, but I think the artistic side is, and this is a really good question because I feel like I'm hardly ever asked this, like what makes it vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, but I think just hmm, that it is... It's such a beautiful thing that you, it's just pure beauty that you want to participate in it somehow. And you, there's something bigger than yourself that is on the line. Um, because as all beauty is, you know, beauty comes and points us to, to God. Um, and so there is that, um, I guess, place of feeling insufficient and weak in the face of that and, and knowing that you, that there, you can't really do anything to be perfect. You can't do anything to, um, replicate perfect beauty, um, as, you know, God himself is. And I think that's a lot, I, I, I really don't think that most people would have the same answer because I think that a lot of um, dance and ballet is very secular, but I personally believe that it's because we want to be, we're striving for something that is completely unattainable in this life that we can grow closer to. Um, we can never get there <laughs> here, but, um, but that's, I don't know, just striving towards that is the whole art form. It's, it's striving towards perfection and and um yeah what i'm hearing you say and and i'd really like for you to correct me on this um is that okay so you're pointing people toward god mm -hmm. because you're pointing people toward beauty and even if somebody were an atheist then you're pointing them toward inspiration mm -hmm. and you're pointing them toward perfection and you're very aware that it doesn't matter who you are as a dancer. You could be Molly. You could be the world's greatest dancer. And you could work hard at it 12 hours a day. And you could do everything perfectly. But you still can't obtain perfection. Mm -hmm. It's out of your hands. Mm -hmm. And you're just very aware that no yes. matter how hard you work and no matter how talented you are, you are pointing people toward God. Mm -hmm. And it, it just doesn't matter. You could be the dancing equivalent of Mozart, but you're still just... A poor, helpless little human being, yeah. trying to point people toward infinity and an eternity. Mm -hmm. That—that's kind of what I'm hearing yeah. you say. And, and <laughs> I think that's a vulnerable place to be in. To 
to recognize your um, that you're helpless and to recognize that you are hopeless. And that's not necessarily just in um, dance. I think that's in our spiritual journey as well, mm-hmm. is knowing, um, finally coming to that place of um, surrender and mm-hmm. and just letting God take that and bring that to fruition in a new way. Um, and I think that that, you know, personally is something that I've experienced over and over again, um, where I've kind of come to the end of myself in my, um, in my efforts and have had to allow God, even though, like what you said earlier, like, even though I feel like I'm kind of casting it out into this dark abyss, um, Mm -hmm. that it's going to be received and it's going to be elevated and it's Mm -hmm. going to, um, show people something that they didn't know they needed to see about God. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally all I can do is just practice and to you know improve my technique and also to um, be open spiritually and emotionally. And, you know, I think if our spirit and um, mind and body and emotions all work together, mm-hmm. like that's going to be a very taxing things so of course you know every performance that I've done there has been um I I mean absolutely physically there's been a lot of um taxation but also emotionally especially emotionally because I feel like you know I I want to give I want to give everything that I have um to make something beautiful and once I have done that, I'm completely drained mm. <laughs> and have nothing. And so um, that's when I think, you know, the Lord can step in and and do what I can't do, <laughs> um, which honestly, I don't even think I'll know what that looks like until I get to heaven. Um, I don't think I will know because I don't know who God has touched, who who needed to, to see beauty. Um, because I think all I have to do is just, um, trust him and keep moving. You know, for sure. You're not going to know because, uh, okay, I'm just going to relate this to authors. Like mm-hmm. let's say Shakespeare writes a play and mm-hmm. then let's say I go and see it. Well, okay. Shakespeare didn't even know that I existed or anything like that, mm-hmm. but let's say, that the play changes my life and redirects me completely mm-hmm. and makes me into a better man. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Shakespeare. Thank you, Shakespeare. I'm very, very grateful to you. And this could be in dance. It could be in other fields. But yeah, you're going to have a powerful impact mm-hmm. on strangers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, because... And if you worked your tail off for it for 19 out of 23 years. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I know. It's wild. Um, Abby, do you have any, any uh, thoughts on this topic before I, because I'm, once I move on, I'm going to start asking questions about the rest of, of Molly's childhood and teenage years, like sports and academics and things like that. But do you have, You've been sitting here very, very thoughtfully yeah, the whole time. I, it makes me wish I was doing a video. talk about beauty later, or is now my time? Both. I have quite... Yeah. What's... Uh, maybe I'll save the questions for later, because I want to get to your questions, too. Okay. 
Okay, because because I'm I'm about to go just a little bit more surfacey. Okay, surfacey. like a little. That's probably good. I think I need to like refill on my okay. surface level. Gotcha. gotcha. Conversation. Okay. I, we can. I know anatomy too, and it's easy to like go deep and then be like, wait, what? Where am I? Yeah. <laughs> I'm lost in this abyss of mystery, and it's good, you know, good. Goodness. Well, I, mystery, I, right? I go back and forth between the uh, the deep and the like uh, and the trivial pretty easily. I like so it. if you see me kind of like staring off into space, I'm probably too lost in the abyss. Of okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Mystery. So resume. Um, what kinds of dance do you do? So obviously classical ballet, um, and I grew up with a really brilliant um, contemporary teacher. Um, he was you know, a classical ballet teacher as well, but had a lot of really cool ideas and um, approach to contemporary ballet. So, um, and that, I guess that kind of looks like, um, I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with um, George Balanchine or um, William Forsyth, who kind of like, They've really made history in ballet, in the world of ballet, because they've pushed the boundaries of what classical ballet, how classical ballet has evolved really over the last, like, I don't know, 100 years, more than that. Um, so I was doing some styles of contemporary, which normally I, I guess to just give some context, I think would be. Um, and I, I know you've had Emily Mushinsky yeah, on this yeah, yeah. podcast, so I don't know if she's talked about this. Too no, much. no, she's, this is kind of new on me. She was a beautiful contemporary dancer. I always loved watching her um, in contemporary. So um, really, it's just about pushing the limits. Um, I would say more often than not, they're um, longer movements, um, bigger movements, and um, riskier movements. So it's, mm. it's less about being completely controlled and um, letting yourself uh, take a risk and maybe fall down every once in a while. And, and yeah, so finding those those limits of yourself, which is, um, I don't know, I guess up for interpretation, but if you want to look up any cool contemporary ballets, I think that could give you a better idea. Um, so I did a lot of that and still currently do as it's really popular in um, just the ballet world and okay. <laughs> I feel like half of it is classical and half of it is um, contemporary ballet now so um, I think we've kind of evolved to more of that um, recently I would say maybe in the last like I don't know 20 years okay years in your own personal life just for fun like not professionally mm -hmm. can you waltz can you foxtrot can you swing <laughs> Really, so one of my goals for this year, which I still have yet to, um, to <laughs> no, I okay. Texas Tommy, you know, Lindy you know, Hop. Can you tango? Can I tango? Can you tango? I I like to think I can adapt easily, but I do not really in my free time do any of those things, just because I usually spend a lot of my free time doing anything but dancing. <laughs> Um, okay. Which is interesting, but um, I I really want to learn how to tap dance. That's but how, how, how long? Okay, but and I don't mean on a professional level, but if, if you were just going out with your friends mm -hmm. and they were like, hey, we're going to go country line dancing or oh. something, how long would it take you to pick up, I don't know, 
a line dance or a swing or East Coast swing or just any of these? So polka. Yeah, uh, polka. Um, so <laughs> I would. It usually doesn't take me very long, just because of how. Um, I mean, you should have the skills, yeah. transferable skills, right? I could put a blindfold on you right. and you could go out there and like show up everybody on the floor, probably. <laughs> I mean, you're too modest to say so, but my guess is you could do it. I mean, I guess it depends on what <clears throat> what kind. Do you mean like in ballet or in just... Uh, just no, no, just regular. Like you're getting out there like oh. with your friends and like, uh, you know, <laughs> like your, non, your non-dance friends. Yeah. Like let's say somebody knows how to swing. Do you think you could pick it up pretty quickly? so um i would like yeah. to i yeah enough to dance at your friend's wedding and yeah and, and then blend right in yes okay yeah, okay i think so and i i don't know um Did i would love to i honestly don't give it a lot of thought okay <laughs> but i really want to learn how to tap that's something that that was one of my new year's resolutions well tap looks elegant to me i don't know much about it but it looks elegant (laughs) okay so dance just seems like it's been so intense for Mm -hmm. so long since you were four years old did it leave room for i don't know sports or plays or being in the choir Mm -hmm. or just anything girl scouts Mm -hmm. what did it leave time for so yes um a lot of that was like i said towards the beginning of my dancing that I had time to, or I don't know, a little bit of extra time to, I was a Girl Scout for a little bit. Um, I did do choir. I love, yeah, I love singing and performing, um, not just within ballet, but like, yeah, I love all of different styles um, of the performing arts, really. Um, Yeah, so some sports, some, Involvement with school, um, that decreased definitely as I went into high school, which um, first starting high school at St. James Academy, I really wanted to quit dance. I loved, I just loved this school going into it. And I'm not just saying that because I'm talking to a teacher or because I'm recording it at St. James, but (laughs) because I genuinely, like this school had such a positive impact on my life Hmm. um, and on my faith formation. Hmm. And um, so I really did, and it was a new experience too. I really wanted, um, you know, to experience that freedom of being in high school and of, of being able to choose some classes, some new classes and, and find things that were interesting, um, and kind of pursue that as well. Um, but, you know, just with my parents, um, they're... <laughs> their uh, nudge to stay heavily involved with ballet. Um, I definitely kept going along that path um, and, you know, went into it full force because, you know, the time, the transition into high school and um, where I was in my training was pretty crucial. Um, I needed to really, you know, give a lot to this one aspect of my life. Um, and yeah, it was really interesting how the timing of that all worked out because I was, you know, when you get to be about 14 or 15 years old, which is, you know, the time, or I guess 14 is when you make that transition to high school. That's 
you know, usually the time where you, like that is when you need to um, approach ballet in, if, if you decide to become a professional or to go in that route, you need to become extremely serious about it at that point in your life because, you know, that's, these are your, you know, final four years before you go and audition. And so for some people, it's not even that long. Some people leave home at 16 and join, or 15, maybe younger than that, and join um, programs that will kind of feed you into a professional company, professional environment. And so Crazy. this, yeah, really crucial yeah. point yeah. that I was at, I was like, I really <clears throat> love this school. Um, but if I am going to pursue this, I have to be, um, you have to be on dance be on. the rest of the time. Yes, yes. Like the minute you get out of school, yeah. maybe we are going straight to the dance going, studio. Going straight there. Yeah. So that was Monday through Thursday and all day, um, Saturday I was there. And so, um, I even had to, <laughs> I kind of forgot about this. Like, I think my junior year, I even... There was a point where I needed to leave early. Like, I needed to leave school early. And so um, we kind of organized that um, with, uh, I don't know, teachers and, um, hmm. yeah, Dr. Rap <laughs> as well. And looking back, I'm like, ugh, like, I kind of feel bad about that because I, I didn't want to, I don't know. I, I don't like pushing the boundaries anywhere. Like, I didn't want to be late for, for dance because I needed to respect that I needed to get there on time and warm up and be, like, on it. But I also um, wanted to respect that school ended at 3.15. Right. Well, it's like that <laughs> so, 1970s song, Torn Between Two Lovers and Feeling Like a Fool. Exactly. I Yeah, I felt <laughs> like a fool. Just a big fool. But um, I was really grateful that it was... Um, it worked itself out in my favor and people were really, really good about, um, accommodating, accommodating the dance. Yeah. yeah and, and just understanding that, that this is the path that I'm taking. And I, I don't think that, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I don't know if many people did understand that until my first year in Oklahoma city when I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. Like I'm, I didn't go to college. I, I'm actually like completely in this world of ballet um, and nothing else. And you know, still to this day, I ask people. Well, people ask me like, "How's how's OU or you're at Oklahoma Ballet University?" Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "No, not at all." Um, but it, you know, of course, like if you don't, if you don't understand it, you don't. Molly, I I had a bunch of majors in college. Mm -hmm. I was a grade A nerd. My mom was a librarian. I went to graduate school, and graduate school was the most intense thing I ever did. And what you're describing to me is more intense and mm -hmm. more immersive. I, I triple majored. I just wow, eat, breathed, and slept books and libraries mm -hmm. and things like that. And just what you're describing to me is more intense. Yeah. It, it is. And yeah. Abby, I'd, I'd actually love to get your perspective on this because, you know, you're an extremely hardworking, dedicated person too. And the thing is though, okay, so Molly is making this professional decision when she is 
roughly 14 years old. And I'm just, I'm just kind of going to ask you to maybe rewind the clock in your life to when you were 14 and, and just kind of, I don't know, it seems to me like the average high school freshman is not making professional decisions about potentially the next 25 years of their life. You know, what, what were your thoughts on Molly over maybe that period of time and maybe the next two, three years? No, that, that amuses me. Like, I've been wondering what is behind, like, what was behind the drive to become professional or, like, that commitment is a lot more than, like, anything asks of such young of age, you know? So I, like, yeah, I wonder, like, how was that for you? Like, it's very mature to me because, like, I, I don't know, I, like, tried sports, but, like, I never was, like, I'm not going to commit, like, I'm just here to, like, mess around with my friends, you know? And, like, this sophistication and, like, desire to even be excellent, I think, has been more of a, honestly, sophomore year in college kind of thing, but, like, that you, yeah, like, did you have to mature up a lot, or, like, what do you think is behind this decision, such an early decision to be professional? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, so I, yeah, um, it really helped that it was this path that I had been on for so long. It wasn't a, all of a sudden, I'm deciding that I'm going to do this really hard thing. I had a lot of wonderful people in my life that had helped me to prepare and that had helped me from a very young age to um, recognize that this is a path that I could take easily um, with, you know, this training and with this dedication. And so mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for those people in my life that did help me or else like I would be, you know, in a way, I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gone for it if I didn't have those people saying this is a possibility. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know. Did you feel like, hey, I'm 14, but in a way I kind of have this in the bag? Yeah, yeah I guess. Um, I just, Whoa. yeah, Whoa. I don't know. I, hmm. I think like I really, I trusted where I came from as far as my training goes. And um, I don't know. Yeah. And then, and then Abby, when you're 14, I don't know. To me, a lot of kids are you know, they're barely handling school and all the rest of that, you know, like, and, and maybe they're going out for a sport, but they don't know if they want to be in the sport or they're in the choir, but they're wondering why is the instructor so picky just because I'm off key at the time or just whatever it might be. When you're looking at Molly, what are you seeing? Mm. Are you seeing like this super dedicated pit bull or are you seeing like this... (laughs) Are you seeing like this this little sweetie or or does it just not factor in that wow Molly's got a full-time job after school, you know? Honestly, I, I have much admiration for that excellence and like it's something I I don't know as a future educator, like something I have this desire for kids to Yeah. I mean, I'm sure this is you share this too, Mr. Webker, like to try to be excellent like I think it's part of it's like do you believe you can be excellent and you said you had good encouragers Mm -hmm. um and I don't think I like really I've had people encourage you know and like but I don't know for some reason I honestly tell you like that kind of commitment I don't think like I've had until like sophomore year of college to actually be like a master at a craft um 
But yeah, that just amazes me. So you think like encouragement is key. Did you have any like self-motivated things um, or like inspirations? Yeah. Yeah. What what inspired you? What kept you going? Mm -hmm. Were there people? Were there situations? Mm -hmm. Was there, I don't know, a pivotal moment? You know, um, yes. I think it kind of goes back to performing because there, and we talk about, um, for those of you listening that often go on retreats or had gone to camp or um, especially these like spiritual experiences that I think leave you with like this high of like I don't know just like God is so amazing and and uh, I want to follow him and and I think that's kind of I can relate to I mean I've had those experiences before spiritually um, but when I have performed I'm like this is this is what I want to do like this um, this rush of adrenaline and um, just passion is so exciting and um, I know it affects people positively and and that is really what kept me going. There were a lot of instances where I was junior, senior in high school where, and even, you know, before that too, where yeah, a lot of people, um, <laughs> this is not what you think I'm going to say. A lot of people, um, made me want to quit <laughs> and, um, like peers or teachers or um, the guy, the random guy at quick trip. I mean, who's making you yeah, want to quit? Kind of everyone, <laughs> all of the above. Um, no, Humans. the random guy at quick trip could never do wrong. Um, yeah, never do wrong. I love quick trip. Um, so he wanted, he inspired me to keep going. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But I think um, a lot of situations that I was put in um, that honestly reflect the culture, the current culture and state of the ballet world um, mm. made me question everything <clears throat> and, um, you know, still do. <laughs> and... Um, so I was in these situations, which, you know, can't really share specifics, but um, where I, yeah, did question, is this what I want to do? Um, because a lot of people seem really unhappy um, and a lot of people seem really um, just like they're longing for um, something different that that can't satisfy them. And yet they still exist in this world of, of dance and and I think that that kind of goes back to this longing for heaven that we all experience and mm-hmm. um, and this beauty that we participate in and how there's a lot of suffering in that and just a lot of um, I don't know well I, I guess I guess um, I'm hearing just a little bit of but I could be way off on this Let's say you're back in high school and you're about 16 and you've dedicated 13 years to this. And after school, maybe you are going to ballet sessions for, I don't know, one to four hours a day. And so, I mean, you've done school all day. And now instead of getting to go home and I don't know, watch Netflix and eat ice cream, 
you have to go to the dance studio possibly for three, four hours. It's physically, emotionally, it's taxing. And then you get home, maybe have a little bit of time to do homework, and then boom, it's sleep. Mm -hmm. And then we start the whole thing all over again. And then maybe on the weekends, maybe dance goes even longer. Mm -hmm. Maybe instead of two hours or four hours, maybe it's more like six or eight hours. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's seven days a week. Mm -hmm. And then it's summers. And then it's holidays. And so it's very intense. Now, if I'm another student looking at you, maybe I'm thinking, Molly works too hard. Mm -hmm. And so, and let's say there's 50 of me or 200 of me. And we're all going to the party on Saturday night, right. you know? And so like everybody else is going to like the illegal party or maybe even the legal party, but gosh, you know, they, <laughs> they, they get to sleep till, they get to sleep till noon, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, plus if they're making like a C plus and this class or that class, their parents might get on them, but their parents might not. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just like, it, maybe it might seem like everybody else just gets to chill mm-hmm and be lazy and not do anything for like, mm, I don't know, somewhere between eight hours and eight weeks. And and for you, it's kind of like grind, 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 Mm -hmm. grind. Yes, you love it, but it's still a lot of work. It's taxing. Mm -hmm. But, But if you're those, you know, the other people, they're just thinking, Molly works too hard. And maybe some of them are saying that to you. And they're saying, hey, you work too hard. Yeah. And then you start to question things. You know, even though you love it, right. I don't know, I just, I would feel like you could be super dedicated, but 5% of you is just going to kind of wonder, well, what would it be like? What would life on the couch be like? Yeah. 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 And I think that is, and not even necessarily life on the couch. I think there's some of that in there too, but, um, there was also this desire to, um, be normal <laughs> and I wanted to do things with my friends and, you know, I wanted to. So as often as possible, you know, Fridays were my day off. I would try to go to the football games and I would try to do things with my school friends because, you know, I got enough of my dance friends, even though like I was, I was closest with them. Um, you know, there was just this desire to, for normalcy and to be a spectator at the football game. Right. Right. And to exactly, um, to go to the high school dance mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I don't know, stumble over your dance partner and watch <laughs> watch the other kids kind of trip and look yeah. silly and yeah I think right and personally I love I mean I would I would definitely say I'm pretty spontaneous um when it comes to just the things that I enjoy um and you know so getting into like going into high school and having to kind of simultaneously make that decision to um, commit even more to um, this path that I'm on um, was was difficult because I saw so many new things and new faces going into high school. I made some wonderful, amazing friends, and there was just this new world that I, you know, had. Um, I had the opportunity to just completely dive into, which seemed really attractive and I it's so funny I think one of the reasons why I love this school so much is because of because I didn't get to fully experience it in in ways that a lot of I think other students did like I wasn't in clubs I wasn't um you know on the 
swim team or on the whatever. Um, I, I did do sewing club. That's what I could commit to. And I think that was Wednesday mornings from like 7 to, I don't know, 7.45. <laughs> and I don't even know if the school was open that early. But um, yeah, so I, I found little pockets where I could kind of insert myself into um, and and I really enjoyed, you know, drama classes, which is, I don't think, a surprise, um, given that I really love to perform. Um, I really enjoyed um, my English classes and, um, yeah, I and my theology classes, like, absolutely, those were, you know, I had really amazing teachers um, for those classes and just, you know, those things that I was more passionate about. Um, and so I do not think I missed out, but I think like even coming back here, it's exciting to be here. Um, and to just appreciate from a different perspective, um, what this school had to offer and, and how the school was willing to accommodate for me. And, um, just that they cared about my, my passions and my soul and, <laughs> Um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't even really know if that makes sense. You know, it does. It does. Here's kind of what I'm hearing is, it's like, okay, maybe I could have belonged to 12 clubs and yeah. done a bunch of other things, but if I just went through the motions, so what? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, maybe you did one club, but you really enjoyed your peers and your mm -hmm. teachers and your subject matter, mm -hmm. and you're just a deep soul. And it just affected you very deeply. And you just poured your heart into it. And you feel like people loved you. I mean, they, they treated you with love and affection and care. And that just put an indelible stamp mm -hmm. on you. And maybe that's why you, you love this place so much. Yeah, because it's more than a place. It was a community. Mm -hmm. And it just... It, may I ask you both a personal question? Yeah. How did you first become <laughs> friends? And the oh reason I'm asking God. is... This is really funny. Well, and the reason I'm asking is because you just got done saying that the people made a ginormous impact. And so, and here Abby is a non-dance friend. And, and the two of you are very, very good friends. So, so, so go ahead. Really funny. This is really, yeah. We met like two weeks ago. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Literally two weeks ago. You two and are like Siamese twins. I love it. I know it someone very, asked us earlier this week if we were sisters. They, and it was, was a huge sisters. honor to me. I was like, I will gladly take that She's any so day. Beautiful. <laughs> I mean, well, no, I think the same thing about you. I was like, it would be an honor to even just like share mannerisms with you because <laughs> you're just such a a good one. You're just a good one. That's uh, how I describe you to people. <laughs> or how I would describe you. That's how I describe you to my mom. So <laughs> I'm going to get coffee with my friend Abby. She's a good one. <laughs> no, it's been a blessing. It really has transformed. Like, yeah. Because we're, yeah, we're both home for the summer and like I wasn't even predicting it and I think it's just really been a gift from God. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, out yeah. of the blue, he's like, I'm going to send you Molly Cook. And oh, I feel the yeah, same. to learn, yeah, yeah, we've had we've had good, good bonding. Yeah. Okay. So what what topics were I don't know. Like if it were two guys, we would be like, yes, we both play squash together, or racquetball, or squash. golf, or we both go shooting at the range together, or we we fix cars. Like guys would like be bonding over an activity, mm -hmm. most likely. The uh, how about? But I don't know. I think girls. I I don't know what you do. You have to tell me. 
Well, my my stereotype is, and I probably am wrong for having a stereotype. Yeah, it's that. Literally. Yeah, it's like I. Okay. For like three, four hours. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, and like it's not, it's not, um, hard either. It's like one of the easiest things talking to you too, which I think Mm -hmm. is like, what is, um, I don't know, almost entertaining about our friendship so far is just that it's like you know some people can I don't know just bond over things and and that's what makes their friendship easy but I feel like for us it's just it's just that we can have no problem sitting in silence and thinking about what beauty means (laughs) for hours and and then just like saying random things and, and talking about it and I think that that's like a really um, beautiful thing in friendship too is Hmm. is um, discovery and vulnerability and I I I don't know sharing experiences and and not just talking about the weather Um, yeah. I don't know. It's 72 degrees out and the barometric pressure is rising. We don't find this what? interesting. Pretty, we don't... <laughs> it's pretty deep stuff. Pretty deep. It's too deep for me. Okay. Okay. Um, so the two of you just really connected over the last two weeks. Okay. So let's kind of get back to the biography mm-hmm. here. So you, la- <laughs> you, you land that personal, that, that first professional job, the Oklahoma mm-hmm. Ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that come about? You, you land the job, and then what are your feelings at the time? So, okay, so back to what I was saying about um, there were several um, people and <laughs> events that had taken place in my last few years of high school that um, really were frustrating, and I had kind of, um, well, had kind of attached themselves to my love for ballet. Um mm-hmm. And yeah, so it was, I was kind of in the midst of one of those situations, um, and a friend was visiting town and she, a friend that I grew up dancing with, uh, she was four years older than me and was previously with another company in Salt Lake City. And so she was in town visiting and she had just recently moved on from that company to the Oklahoma City Ballet. And so um, she comes, uh, this is December of 2016, just right around the time that I'm about to audition. And, um, and says, oh, you should really consider this company. And so really without any thought to other companies i was like yeah <laughs> let's do this let's go for uh, it and so um, because she the, seemed happy mm-hmm. and professional yes yeah, so she had really talked up that company and um and i trusted her and i really how it works with the audition process um and this is not how it used to work but i think this has really changed over the last like 10 15 years is if you want to be considered for a position in a professional company you need to um and this is usually for the women especially because there are a lot more women than men in this industry um but i think it's kind of 
the same for everyone now. You need to go to their summer program, which that is either a, it's like a three to six week long um, audition process, oh essentially. Gosh. Yeah, so they're, and it's called, you know, their summer intensive where um, for, yeah, three to six weeks, students from, you know, ages nine to 18 can come and can learn um, specific repertoire from these companies um, of things that they've done in the past, of things that they might do in the future, just choreography, take classes from different teachers on their um, staff, uh, and just kind of have a have an experience to um, see what, I don't know, it would be like to dance for a different company or to um, meet students and kind of, I don't know, see your competition a little bit. And so... Molly, um, this seems so intense to me mm, because... I would hate this. Well, yeah, because yeah. here's, here's, <laughs> yeah. here's kind of what I would want to ask. Um, well, I, gosh, I think, okay, if I knew I was the best one or if I knew that, hey, I really love this and I, I don't care if I'm the best one or the worst one, I really love this either way, then it would be less pressure. But mm-hmm. I'm also kind of thinking... Well, okay. So, like, let's say this is a, did you say three to six weeks? Three to six weeks, yes. Okay. So then I'm thinking, well, what if I want to check out five schools? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So then that is 15 to 30 weeks. Mm-hmm. What if the programs don't, over, what if they do overlap? Mm-hmm. Well, then if I go to this school over here, that means I can't go to that other school over there. Mm-hmm. So I'm already making some pretty big decisions. Okay. I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket yes. and I'm going to go to the Oklahoma, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go to the one in the other 49 states. Yes. And then I guess if I were these schools, I would start offering these things mm-hmm. uh, in September and October and November. And then if people had to miss high school, I would just say tough rocks, yeah. you know, Hey, we're the ballet company. And uh, if you want to work for us, then, <laughs> yeah, well, I, okay, I'm revealing my background when yeah. I was a kid in the 70s, no, and yeah. people would say, my life is hard. Somebody else would say, tough rocks. Tough rocks. Tough rocks. Like I'm like, as opposed to soft rocks, could I please have some soft rocks? Oh, you know? that's good. So, but in any case, it would just seem to me like the pressure would just be so intense from the standpoint that... The schools, how could I how could I try out at all the schools that I wanted to try out? Unless I did yeah. one when I was 13, one mm-hmm. when I was 14, one when I was 15. Right. So, um, and just to clarify, like, it is only, it's usually only like the top levels of these summer programs that are considered for um, these uh, positions. And usually it would be a position... Um, either as what a lot of companies refer to as trainee program or second company, which trainee is, I mean, it really depends on the, um, the program, but some trainees are on tuition um, and it's technically their like highest level of the school, um, but it's kind of bridging that gap between being in the school and being a professional. Um, or a second company program is... For me, you know, because that's what I went straight into, um, is you, it's, I kind of describe it to people as an unpaid internship. And I do know some second company programs that are paid, some that um, are tuition, and others that are just neither. It's, you don't pay them and they don't pay you. Um, there was compensation for shoes, for performances, and things like that. But 
Um, yeah, so just to clarify that, um, it's usually just the top level of the summer program that is considered. So you have, you know, and summer programs really used to be like, just for fun, you go and take these classes and, you know, cause they already have a system of how they hire people. But now because there are so many dancers in this industry, so many people, um, young men and women that want jobs, um, they need to expand their audition process they need to expand mm. how they um are seeing people how people are able to um you know have these opportunities to be seen and so which is in one sense a really good thing because um it gives you uh more of an opportunity to um put yourself out there and to show your potential show your talent rather than just um an audition by video or, or one audition, cattle call audition in New York City. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So it gives you more of an opportunity. Um, yet at the same time, the con to that really is like you're committing your entire summer and mm -hmm. that's when you, you know, would audition. <laughs> yeah, this is just the most intense job. I mean, yeah. a lot of people have a 40 hour a week job mm -hmm. and they have two, three weeks off for vacation. Right. Some people get a lot more vacation than that, than that teachers, you know, but I mean, here, this is, you know, it's mm -hmm. 50 weeks plus per year yep. and it's just super intense. Yes. So yeah. how did you, you actually land the job yeah, where so, they're like, Hey, you got the so contract. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's, so I did this summer intensive, which um, I was I was praying during that whole time, like, okay, this is the only thing I'm committing, or this is the only place that I'm, um, I guess, yeah, just putting all my eggs into this basket and and um, taking this risk um, because if this isn't the place, then I'm gonna have to you know, try again next year and mm -hmm. keep training. And, and if this is something I really want. So I was really grateful that, um, I was chosen to be able to be in the second company from that audition process. So basically I, I auditioned, um, and I went up to the school director at one point and I told her, I was just honest, like, I know there are a lot of people here that want the same thing that I want. Um, but I just want to let you know that I'm really interested and um, I know that you know that because my name tag is a certain color which you know means that these people want to be considered <laughs> and the people with the white name tags you know were just people who were there for fun but um, I was like I know you see what color my name tag is but I just want to let you know that I really do um, want to be here <laughs> and mm. so um, mm. and I had seen other people doing that and I was like oh yeah like I need to do that. And so um, kind of, I think that probably helped because, you know, it, it's hard when you have only, you know, five, four or five people on this panel of quote unquote judges <laughs> that are determining who it is that they want, um, who it is that they think would you know, be the best fit. And so I think there is that aspect of um, putting yourself out there in, a vocal way <laughs> in a very obvious way that's yeah, not just because I suppose in front of the room in front of the class but telling them just very you know being a very upfront with what you want but they must have thought you were awesome 
Do you think it was your performance or do you think that it was your speech or do you think it was both? I went into that summer program thinking that I was going to be the best one there. Okay. And that was absolutely not true. I was humbled so fast because the studio that I grew up at, it was small. Um, and, you know, I, I think I was a uh, big fish in a little pond. Um, and then I quickly realized yeah. that there were so many people that were better than me. And um, I think it was, it was hard for me at first to not doubt what I had to offer um, with seeing all of these people who did have a lot <laughs> and I think in ways more to offer than I did, but, but you um, know, you're still there, right? I, I was like, well, I, you know, I'm here for a reason and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, put that in their faces. <laughs> I mean, so you got the position. Yeah. So yeah. then what was yeah. your, what were your immediate happy thoughts mm -hmm. and did you have any misgivings? So I was, I was super stoked, really. I was, um, I, we left, or I left the summer intensive, you know, praying for a month because I didn't find out until about a month later um, that I was accepted. And so I recognized, um, well, I think, you know, the Lord quickly showed me that this was out of my hands now. There was nothing more that could be done. Um, I couldn't email them and ask them, what did you think? Um, but like 10 I, times a day. Yeah, right, which is totally what I would How have done. How was I? How was I? What did you think? Are you thinking about me? No. Email so, number two. No, really. No. What did you think? No, seriously. <laughs> Meanwhile, they have all these other students that they're watching. So I think that was a really good time to be still um, and to oh, just, um, yeah, focus on... Um, what I could control, which was just, you know, continue my training and um, continue to work hard at home while surrendering all of that um, to God. And then, yeah, about a month later, I got kind of an acceptance note. And it wasn't even really an acceptance note. I think it was like a come pick up your second company package in my office, which was from the company manager. And I was like, wait. And then I think a few hours later, I actually got the, oh, congratulations, you're accepted. <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, wait, what What package? Like, I'm... Do you I, remember I the day? I'm curious. It was end of July. Okay. Um, but no, I can't remember the specific date. But yeah, it was just such an exciting day. Very exhilarating. Um, and yeah, I was just ready for that new challenge. Okay. So then eventually you moved there. Mm -hmm. And so now you really have to do all the adult things. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You have to balance your checkbook. You have to make sure that you eat uh -huh. sufficiently. You have to do your laundry. Right. You know, you have to return phone calls. Uh, <laughs> when you're supposed to be someplace, you actually have to be someplace. Yeah. Like they call these things executive skills. Absolutely. You know, like people who are teenagers, you know, some of them, not all, but, you know, there, there could be like 16-year-olds like this. But yeah. on the other hand, there's 50-year-olds like this where yeah. they're supposed to return a phone call, but right. they have a hard time making making themselves do it and, and ditto other things, you know, like, Hey, I'm supposed to be there at seven, but I, I just, I really don't want to go. And so I just, maybe, maybe I don't go. I mean, you have, you have to do all, you have to do, you have to do all the adult things. So now it's all on you. Yeah. So I'm laughing because I just think it's, yeah, I just think it's really funny how, um, 
yeah, I was ready to be an adult, but at the same time, the Lord still just wanted me to be his child and be taken care of <laughs> because mm -hmm. I lived like, okay, so the past four years I have been so incredibly sheltered when it comes to my like living um yeah I, what, what my, do you mean my, sheltered my first year i lived rent free okay completely um with my friends at her childhood home um and you know one of my best friends now and her parents so she's from oklahoma city and her parents um were living in D.C. at the time and then had moved back to Oklahoma City. And so um, so this friend of mine I had met, she used to dance for the Kansas City Ballet and then moved um, back down and auditioned for Oklahoma City Ballet, where she's from, and um, was living in her childhood home again while her parents were away. And then her parents ended up moving back in, I think, January of 2018. So... Um, she had offered me, uh, you know, her extra room wow. <laughs> in that house. Wow. And so wow. I was paying rent at first. And then I think her parents contacted my parents, um, after they had come to visit a few times and said, we don't want Molly to pay rent anymore. Like, don't worry about it. And, um, so, and then they moved back in January and were making us meals and uh. were just like being nice, <laughs> my parents away from home uh. and, and I just laugh because I'm like, yeah, I was being an adult, but like, was I really? I was still under complete care of parents. <laughs> and then um, oh. the last three years I had been living with um, a couple, well, husband and wife, and they have a almost six-year-old daughter and their second is on the way due next month. And um, yeah, Catholic family, both dancers in the company, and I just, even then, like, of course I was making my own meals and I was, you know, living as an adult, but I also like, I mean, rent was really nice. <laughs> it was a good... Yeah. Is this kind of a pay it really forward good. thing that people do in the dance world? Because they mm -hmm. just know, okay, the rest of your life is, well, it could be 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. It could be 10, 12 hours a day, six days a week. You might be working somewhere between 40 and 75 yeah. hours a week. Mm -hmm. So maybe people just pay it forward to younger dancers. Is that what's going on? Or, or how yeah. does this work? I think so. I think it is just, you know, I think... Oh, my stomach's going. I'm hungry. Um, I think really, like, there is just that aspect of generosity because, mm -hmm. you know, as a dancer, you're not making a lot of money. And if you're going to pursue your dream, everyone is going to need a little bit of help with that. Um, and the people who don't get it, maybe they don't go into dance. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. No, I mean, I don't know. I think I, I haven't really put a lot of thought into this. I just kind of viewed it as this is just God's providence <laughs> in my life um, through these people, um, especially who I can relate to on a spiritual level and... Um, Kindred spirits. Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. And just their faith. Um kind of shepherding me as well um 
just feeling very uh, sheltered in yeah that safety spiritually, uh, just knowing that they, we, you know, we would go to mass together and we would um, pray together, pray the rosary, um, and and you know, in a world of ballet that is very um, secular, just yeah, being able to rest in. I don't know, being at home. <laughs> I love that they welcomed you. I mean, yeah, both instances, yeah, like, absolutely. really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, 100% felt extremely welcomed and um, just had that sense of, of home and the sacredness of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just knowing that I could rest in being protected and cared for and and i yeah yeah well and you're probably helping around the house and you are paying a little bit of rent yes yes and uh and you know maybe someday in the future who knows Mm -hmm. 10 20 years from now maybe you'll be doing the same for a 21 year old dancer right who's out there okay so how does this work in terms of maybe not every dancer's future but some dancers future Mm -hmm. let's say Five years from now, you're just really maxing it out, and you know you're just hitting like the high, mm-hmm. the highs of the field. You've climbed the ladder. I'm I'm struggling for the right metaphor, but sure. you've advanced in your field. Yeah. Uh, what does a maybe one or two good scenarios look like for a dancer who is? Are you're 21, right? 22. Okay, 22. So like, let's say you're 26 or 27 mm-hmm. or 28, or another girl just like you. Maybe her name is Polly. You know, as just, you know, so Polly, <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but let's say Polly's doing really well. Mm-hmm. So where is Polly in five or six years? Okay. Wait, so am I, wait. Am well, I just, just a, a dancer. A it, dancer. It might be you. It might be somebody oh, else. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't know. I'm coming to you for advice because I've got a cousin and her name is Polly and, and, and Polly wants to know, well, what are the options? You know, when I'm 26, 27. Oh, okay. So what I'm hearing is, hmm, what advice should I give to someone who is looking to yeah, yeah, she wants okay. she okay. wants to know that hey, if I'm 27 years old or so, mm-hmm. like what's a good living? Like what's a good life as a dancer? Okay. Like I don't okay. I don't want to reduce it to just money, but mm-hmm. let's just say hey, the money's taken care of and professionally, I just feel good about what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that the biggest thing, Polly, that you need to know <laughs> um, is is take care of your mental health along the way um and yeah whatever it is that you feel like you need to do um if if that is the dream that you have and nothing is going to get in the way of that um i think yeah i think mentally make sure that you are um taken care of because i think there's a lot of um I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of physical and um, emotional struggles, um, but I think if you are, yeah, grounding yourself in the truth of of who you are, and I think this is 
um, something that I'm trying to actively do right now is, is just recognizing that I'm, I don't know, and this, I guess, would be a, a spiritual <laughs> recommendation as well, but just knowing that you are, your identity and your worth is not linked to um, what you look like in a leotard and tights and what you look like in a mirror. And, and um, I think if you can rise above those things, you can be successful because um, mm. I personally think that if you are, um, if you're thriving in a ballet company and if you are struggling with your, uh, <coughs> or struggling with a with body image issues, or um, really emotionally, mentally, just not healthy. <laughs> um, I don't think that that is success, and I think that, um, yeah, because what is it going to matter if? you're not fulfilled. Um, so I would say that would be my first piece of advice is know who you are and know why you want to do this thing that's incredibly difficult and that's going to tear you down in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, because you can definitely do it without, um, without believing those lies and without, mm-hmm. yeah, without listening to um, those voices that will tear you down. It is 100% possible. Okay. And, and I'm so glad that you answered yeah. that. Yeah. that. That to me, that's kind of like the emotional piece and the mm-hmm. spiritual piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the also as well, the resume piece? So sure. like, let's say mm-hmm. a dancer is 27 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is she working for? Mm-hmm. Um, how secure is her job? Uh, how much is she making per year? Just some, I guess, nuts and bolts type questions. Okay, so, yeah. Um, like, so, she knows she's going to still be dancing five years from now because course. she's that good. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah, I guess, who is she working for? How did she get so secure? Okay, I see. Um, so, let's take... Hmm. Hmm. I'm trying to think of a good example. So, um, my friend that I had mentioned previously that was dancing, um, with this company in Salt Lake City. So that is a really successful ballet company. It's one of the oldest in the country and, and yeah, it's, it's a really, really good company. Um, so it's called Ballet West and, um, they have a lot of reputable dancers and, um, staff. So I would say, yeah, you're, you're a soloist or you're in the core, um, with Ballet West. Um, and Ooh, I, yeah. Okay. There's actually a dancer with Oklahoma city ballet that, um, well, she was previously with Oklahoma city ballet. She now is, um, returning to Salt Lake city, um, to be a soloist with this company. And she had actually been with the company as a core member and then came to Oklahoma City Ballet as a soloist and was recently promoted to principal, spent, I think, two, three years as a principal dancer 
and then is now returning to Ballet West um, as a soloist. So Ballet West is a, you know, it's a bigger company. So she's going from principal at a medium-sized company, Oklahoma City Ballet, to um, Ballet West, which is a bigger company. It's, um, they have, yeah, just, I think all around um, just better, uh, better dancers. And, and I, I don't want to say that to um, denigrate you know, anybody. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we yeah, understand you're not denigrating anybody. Sure, sure. Yeah. Oklahoma City Ballet is a great company for so many reasons, but you cannot argue that it is a better company than Ballet West. So um, yeah, so she is now going to be a soloist with the company and she is, I think, maybe 30 years old. Um, and yeah, it pays, I actually don't know how much she would be getting paid, but it's, it's a good amount. It's a livable amount. And, um, yeah, she's, I'm sure very comfortable with what she's making and, um, <clears throat> or what she will be making. Um, yeah. Okay, so, so she's definitely not relying on anybody else for any financial mm -hmm. support. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Maybe she's making six figures or something because she's kind of at an apex. Probably not that much, just to give it a little bit of context. Um, <laughs> but yes, she's probably more comfortable than... <laughs> Than she was. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. might be making above the median income in the United States, yes. something like yeah. that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, and then how many more years can she keep doing this? Mm -hmm. So she's well, 30. Yeah. Can she keep dancing until she's, I see, I really don't know. Can sure, she go until she she's 40? She can absolutely go until she's 40. Um, but I don't think that, especially for a female, um, I know males that have gone past the age of 40. But yeah, to give some context, I do not know many female dancers that can dance past 40 years old. Um, so Is that because they don't want to? Um, you know, by that point, you have, if you have worked your way up the ranks, you are dancing all day, every day. You're doing roles that... Um, Physically, do not get easier, your but body. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's your hard body. on your body. Mm -hmm. So you're, yeah, you don't, you don't get much of a break gotcha. when you are moving up the ranks, um, and when you, yeah, are asked to be, you know, dancing the role of the sugar plum fairy in the Nutcracker, like with with a long variation and with a um, pas de deux, which is, you know the Cavalier and the Sugar Plum Fairy dancing together, variations after that, codas after that, where she has to do um, the 32 fouettes, which is just on one leg. Um, That's unreal. For, That's yeah, unreal. it's, you know, as you can imagine. It's physically, physically amazingly demanding. Amazingly. I, yeah. I guess I'm just thinking of, and Tom Brady, mm -hmm. there's not too many people who can operate at a professional level, say, past the age of 40. Right. I mean, there's a few here and there, but that's why we look at people like that, mm -hmm. in, like a Tom Brady, mm -hmm. just in total awe. Yeah. I mean, we'd, we'd be in awe if he were 30 and doing what he's doing, but the fact that he's over 40 and doing what he's doing, holy cow. Yeah. Just amazing. So I guess if a dancer is still going when she's 40, mm -hmm. wow. It, I know. I, it blows my mind. And I think, you know, this part of my prayer right now is like, Lord, reveal to me my own heart. But my own heart, I don't think has ever been, I want to dance until I'm 40 because 
personally, I feel like there's so much more that I want to do with my life that I know I would not be able to do if I were that committed. And that's a commitment. Like I say, and people think I'm committed now, the amount of dedication and commitment when you are in your mid thirties as a woman in ballet is like unreal. It is absolutely ridiculous. Like 9,000 degrees hot. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. One of my friends right now, she is, um, she's pregnant with her, uh, second, which is, you know, the family that I lived with me, uh, the past three years. And she is a principal dancer with Oklahoma city ballet and has been dancing up until, I mean, I don't know if she's still dancing. She's due in a couple of weeks. Okay. And she's been dancing like since like the beginning of her pregnancy until like, I mean, she might still be taking class. I actually don't know, but um, you know, I'm not there right now, but she, I saw a video of her taking class just a few weeks ago. Okay. So she's seven and a half months pregnant. Yeah. And she's still dancing and exercising. She's still dancing because she knows that if she weren't, like she, she would lose like her ability to perform the way that a principal is asked okay. to perform. Well, is, is it kind of modified? Because, well, I'll just give you an example. I See, I, I don't know a lot about this. I'm probably going to sound like a total idiot. So world, please forgive me. But I'm just kind of thinking, okay, so I, I ran a lot of marathons, but you really don't see, say, a woman who's seven months pregnant mm-hmm. out running. Mm-hmm. But you might see her doing, I don't know, yoga, Pilates, mm-hmm. something along those lines. Like you, you might see her maybe lifting light weights. Yeah. I'm not quite sure. Like I said, I'm afraid that I'm just going to be a total idiot if I speak about this too much, but I'm I'm just going to ask, does it seem like maybe the movements are modified for a pregnant woman? Yes. Um, I think really it's person to person, you know, if only some people, <laughs> which my friend is one of those people, can get through a whole class. Like I've watched her... And there are, you know, obviously certain things that you have to take out um, of the class to be able to, um, you know, just keep a healthy pregnancy. Like you can't do all of the jumps that you're asked to do um, physically. Like that would be, that's not an option. You can't modified, modified, modified you is modify. what I'm hearing. Yeah, you do have to modify. But as a dancer, I think you have this... Um, I don't know, pressure, if that's the right word, um, to push the limits of what can and should be done and achieved in every state of your life, um, you know, as long as you're a dancer. So okay. if you're pregnant, um, it's going to be how long can you keep doing all of these things? That is that is crazy. Just like quick interjection because sure. I don't yeah. feel many people never are in that state where you have mm-hmm. to like push yourself to your limit. I see, or like feel with myself, there's no pressure for that, mm-hmm. which like is amazing. Cause while you've been talking, like she probably has a diligence that like most people don't have. Mm-hmm. And you've had years of like having to be pushed to your limits, like to really, yeah, work. Um, and it's like physically, emotionally, that just blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're a woman on a mission, yeah. is what you are. Well, and the thing is, is I think this 
just to speak to people's experiences and hardships in their lives. And I'm, this is not to compare my experience with, you know, someone who's suffered greatly, but I think you, you don't know actually how capable you are of something until you are forced in that position. (laughs) And I think like, well, that's a power that exists inside of all of us is to be, um, pushed to our limits and, um, you know, not everyone has the same limits, but those, your capacity can expand the more you are pushed. Um, and so I think that, like, yeah. Well, I, I think that's what's fun in life is mm-hmm. is trying something and kind of figuring out where your limits are. Right. And I'll just give an example from marathoning because I read a lot of marathons. And there was just a certain point where, you know, you'd say, okay, today I'm going to go out there and run a mile as fast as I can. And so then I would do that. And then you'd write down that time. And then the next week you would try to beat it. Mm-hmm. And then if you beat it, then the next week you would try to beat that. And, and you know, here I was in my 40s doing this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, how fast can I run a mile? How fast can I run a three-mile thing? And, you know, you'd be exhilarated if you broke your limit, but at the same time you'd be disappointed because you'd realize, hey, I'm just an average runner and I'm never going to set any sort of a record I might beat like some sort of a personal record. So, I mean, it's both exhilarating mm-hmm. and depressing yeah. all at the same time. And I don't know if you can, if that is a good analogy for what you're saying or not, but I, I guess what I'm hearing is, you know, you just push yourself to those limits and you figure out where those limits are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you try to exceed those limits. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think like there's really no room for pride <laughs> because. Which is something that has been so difficult personally for me, um, even really over like the past year, is just taking that out of the mix. Um, it's been yeah very very hard to do, but there is absolutely no room for it because you you know you will never be perfect yet you're doing this thing anyways and you're. I don't know, striving for this um, new level. Um, And you're going to fall short of that a lot. And you're going to fall short of that in front of a lot of people a lot. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And um, so you have to be okay with the fact that it's just very odd, like specific thing. Like live, it's live theater, but it's, you know, you're athleticism. <laughs> it's just lot, yeah, yeah, and athleticism and risk and I don't know, yeah, a lot of disappointment, um, and you can't let that disappointment um, stand in your way, which sounds really cheesy, but um, it's so true. You can't, you can't let that happen, um, or. Yeah. Molly, we've covered so much ground. I, I think I just have one last question regarding this particular section of yeah. the interview. And then actually then I want to shift gears if it's okay. Sure. Uh, so my last question is, so we talked about, I guess, pursuing excellence and some of the heartbreak and just what it means to try to create something beautiful. Is there anything that you wanted to say or discuss mm-hmm. that... I just failed to ask a question for. You know, not really, because I feel like I don't even talk about it this much. <laughs> just on a daily basis. So I'm like, I am completely 
overwhelmed in a very good way um, with all of these questions. So, <laughs> no, I'm just taking this all in as much as you are. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah. So I think okay. we can. Okay. Well then, ears if you need to. this is my my last section. Okay. And uh, it's the advice section. And I actually Ooh. I think both of you would do a good job of answering these yeah. questions because they're both basically advice that I I would like for you to give to other people. Yeah. On this. Okay. So let's just say that I am the average gentleman, or my friend is just the average lady. Mm -hmm. um, where in my life will I benefit just from maybe dance as a hobby? I, I want to go take a ballroom dancing yeah. class or I want to take a country dancing class or salsa or something. Mm -hmm. So I just would like to have both of you jump in on this. Like my friend says, hey, go take a dance class. And I say, I've never thought about that before. Why should I do that? Well, speaking to both the athleticism and artistic side, I think... It is just all around a really uh, healthy thing to do, <laughs> um, which I think could contradict a lot of the uh, <laughs> a lot of what I've already said about dance and about the industry. But if you think about it, it is you know it's exercise, which okay. is good for your you know. For your body and for your brain um, and just releasing those good endorphins hmm. um, and also it it teaches I mean from my perspective um, and I've never taken ballet recreationally necessarily but if I were to recommend a recreational ballet class I think um, some skills that you would be able to find in that um and develop would be just i don't know some flexibility some, some poise so, yes flexibility is definitely <laughs> one just you know mm. stretching your body <laughs> feels good um agility stamina yes. strength you already know these well yeah. I'm, I'm just listing yeah. off crossfit skills mm. that i've heard yeah well, <laughs> right and so there are all those physical things and and creativity, I think moving more towards the artistic side, creativity um, and just uh, musicality, being able to find uh, some rhythm <laughs> and um, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Abby, what do you think? Your average friend just says, hey, I want to take a dance class or do you think I should take a dance class? How do you think this would benefit the average person? Dang. I I feel like Molly is more of the person to ask about oh. this, but I mean, everyone should exercise. That's all I could that's all I should <laughs> say. Like everyone exercises. You gotta like dance wonderful way. I think it's also like wholesome yeah. Um, entertainment. Yeah. And like you never know when you're gonna need to dance. Like right. You know, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, I, I will say every wedding you go to for the rest of your life, it would be a really valuable skill to have. Yes, yeah, I feel like persuaded right now to go go and take some. So dance this classes. is your sign, everyone. No, I think Abby's definitely right in it. What you said, wholesome, like wholesome and healthy. Mm -hmm. I guess are what I'm what I'm thinking of because you yeah. feed that. 
um, side of your brain <laughs> that is looking for um, creativity and spontaneity and beauty, um, but also that that technical. So like the I don't know like right and left sides of your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely feeding both of those areas. Um, so I think, yeah, wholesome is a really good word. Okay. Second question. Um, and, and I know your life has been focused on ballet, so mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you to stretch beyond that. What type of dances should, I don't know, your average friend learn? Yeah. You know, somebody's mm-hmm. like 20 years old and I don't know, they don't have it up of a social life or something or something okay. or enough of an athletic life. What type of dances should a person learn? Mm-hmm. Or does it matter? I feel like, <laughs> I feel like this is going to be one of those, like, I don't know, I'm a doctor and I'm prescribing different medications for you to take. <laughs> so I would say put a little bit of ballet in there, maybe an adult beginner ballet class. I would say a tap class because you get your like instinctual rhythm. Um, and I would say maybe a hip hop class because... Um, with all of those, I think all of those skills put together, just or even a jazz class, doesn't have to be hip-hop, um, but like with a little bit of each, I think that would make you very well-rounded um, if you want to go, say, have fun and crash a bunch of weddings, or if you want to, um, you know, organize a dance with your flash friends, mob. flash mob, dance in the park, you know, no. just... Yeah. Be like, oh, we're all going to go swing dance. You know, I think just a little bit of everything. Um, having, I would say, like, I think three fundamental um, outlets, whether it's ballet, tap, hip hop, maybe having a little bit of all three of those so that um, if you were to go, you know, spontaneously to a line dance, I don't know, or a swing dance class, like those things won't... Um, they'll be easier to pick up and they'll be just a lot more enjoyable. You won't feel like you're kind of um, going at it with nothing. So I think I would suggest a little bit of ballet, a little bit of tap, and maybe some hip-hop. Okay. And I've never suggested that to anyone in my life, uh, <laughs> that they should do hip-hop. But I, I think that that would be valuable. Everybody, you heard it here first. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this, is your, this is your free advice. Abby. How about you? What kinds of dance do you think people should learn? Or if you don't want to answer that question, if you were to run out there, if somebody else were to pay for your dance classes and clear enough time in your schedule to let you take a dance class, what would you take? I... (laughs) (laughs) So don't. This is a bad sign. The the pressure. The pressure got the Abby. I think there's a lot of athleticism in ballet. And honestly, like, I have considered, I think it'd be so cool. Like, I'd love to, like, I'd love to take a bar class from you, Molly. Like, I, okay. <laughs> I, because I, I remember taking it when I was younger, and, like, the balance, um, it just takes so much strength. Um, but also, like, yeah, I, I, I would definitely take a ballet class. Hmm. So I can say. Wonderful. You get, you get some good cardio in, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's like everything. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really is because if you, 
um, which this isn't a style of dance, but if you're a fan of Pilates or yoga, um, it is your whole body. And, but with ballet, you know, it is a whole body <laughs> experience and exercise that, <laughs> that you, um, yeah, that you really can tap into that creative side as well. So I think it really encompasses all of it. Okay. Um, question number three. Mm-hmm. What do you think girls think about a guy who can dance? Ooh. Ooh. I, I have to ask, what, what do you mean by a guy who can dance? Do you mean a guy who can dance ballet or just um, in general? Oh, I, I, well, I, I think 99.99% of the people are mm-hmm. not going to be professional dancers. Sure. So I guess I'm thinking about that group, the 99.99%. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, you go to a wedding or you go to a spring flame. Oh, and, I have a and, strong opinion about this. Yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> I think it's very refreshing when a man is confident dancing. Like, mm-hmm. I, having like, well, okay, I could just say like trying to make a guy partner dance and he feels uncomfortable is like such an uncomfortable experience. Like, and I'm not necessarily good, but I can still, like, spaz. Mm, I think I as it. long as he's <laughs> fine, like, you know. Yeah. And also, like, it's it's nice, like, having a man lead, like, a partner dance, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. What's your, what are your thoughts on this? So. Yeah, we're just I, talking about the wedding, the yeah, spring fling. I agree. I, I think that that is a valuable skill for the male species to have is to be able to lead a dance, um, whether it's a slow dance or just a fun little swing dance. Um, so there's that absolutely. Um, and that is my challenge for the male (laughs) listeners is to just learn how to um, (laughs) be confident in those. And I wouldn't say, yeah, not like ballet or, um, tap or hip hop, but because you I, can be clumsy, but yeah. as long as you own it, like right, right, exactly. I think what I'm hearing is is that when the guy is confident, you pick up on that and you like that, and when the guy is insecure, mm-hmm. you also pick up on that. Right. That that I don't know. We guys yeah. must just radiate emotions, and ladies pick up on that. Yeah. Oh yeah, we can read you. Okay. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> Well, I feel like I'm just a simple comic book without words, with just pictures that are easy to understand. If you can't read me, then I'm completely legible. No, I just think it kind of goes back to, like, just, I mean, it's so easy for dancers in any circumstance to feel insecure, whether you are the top professional with, you know, a ballet company, or if you're just you know, trying to have a good time at a wedding. Like it's, there is, I think, insecurity at every level. Why wouldn't there be? There's insecurity in every human endeavor. Right. And I think, you know, with, with dance, especially is because you're, that's all you've got is Mm -hmm. just your body yourself and, Mm -hmm. and just, you know, putting it out there to, um, enjoy life is such an interesting, I'm like, why do we dance? Like, it's so interesting to think about, but, um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Um, I think going back to what I was saying, like fake it till you make it, (laughs) 
of course you're going to fall down and be clumsy and not know what you're doing, but um, that's kind of the artistic side of it too, is it's your body and it's your tool and instrument. And, you know, we can do these things to um, improve our technique and shape mm -hmm. that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's just what you've got and you've just got to use what you've got. And so if you're not, you know, striving for a professional career as a hip hop dancer or as a, I don't know, professional ballet dancer, as even as someone who is really good at dancing at weddings, yeah. um, then you just have to appreciate what you have. And, um, and like what Abby said, just spaz. Just, just spaz. Own it. <laughs> just own it. Own it. And I, yeah, there, that exists in every single level. Mm -hmm. Um, from the bottom to the top. You okay. Have to own it. That, <laughs> I so, like that. Own it. Mm. Okay. Own it. Mm. Question number four. Okay. Um, what do you think guys think about a girl who can dance? Mm. And, <laughs> and, if, and if you don't know or whatever, that's totally fine. If you do know, I want to hear it. Mm -hmm. What do you think guys think about a girl who can dance? Hmm. <laughs> I feel like guys don't think about it. That's <laughs> just a hot take. I'm just gonna say maybe guys don't think about it, um, especially if you are like in a normal setting, like a wedding or um, I don't know, just going swing dancing. Maybe I just don't think they think about it okay. as much. Um, okay. But in my personal experience, um, you know, I feel like when I tell people what I do who have no idea the reaction from men to women isn't really that different. It's, I don't know. Just like, oh, wow, that's cool. Okay, so maybe it's <laughs> the same. Really, yeah, I feel like it is probably pretty much the same. Abby? It's an interesting I question. Know, but I think I've never been asked. I think hearing, yeah. My own thoughts on it are shallow. I'm sorry, I feel like I cut you off. No, I, I didn't have a Go on. Go on. My my thoughts are shallow. I just think respect. No, I that's what I was saying. Like if I were, well, I'm like another young woman. She tells me you're doing professional ballet. I'm like, that is amazing. And I think like any young man would be very impressed. Like I think likewise across the board. Mm. You hear that young As, men? Yeah, young men. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what like men think of my spazzy dancing at weddings. Some people, sometimes they laugh, sometimes they're like, she's being obnoxious. But the thing is, <laughs> is I have to say, like, if you were to see, like, I dance, uh, my relationship with ballet and my relationship with um, how I would approach, you know, having a good time at a wedding are completely separated. I don't take any of my skills from ballet into a That would be a little weird. Yeah, yeah. or like, I mean... I, <laughs> I mean, I'd embrace it, but I'd yeah. also be like, yeah. why is she... Like, I think that they're so... Jeté. Yeah, doing the jeté. Um, no, I just... Yeah, I think, like, naturally that sense of... Um, of understanding the rhythm is helpful, but... I also think that that is, yeah, very, very, very basic um, mm. when it comes to 
just whatever because what everyone else is doing at a wedding I'm gonna do like if people are just waving their arms around I'm like okay this is the vibe this is what's happening and and you kind of adapt to your setting and just I don't know I think if you do that you should still wear a sign around your neck that says professional dancer when you're out there just waving your arms doing what everyone else is doing like I promise I can actually dance but it's so interesting (laughs) they're not anything alike (laughs) okay I have um an opinion question that I'd like to ask you. Do you think that grade schools, high schools, and colleges should offer dance classes so that the average person can feel more confident when they go Mm -hmm. to prom, spring fling, weddings? I 100% think that schools should offer dance classes because I think it is an opportunity to um and i think it it should be considered an art class like i think that like an art class or a um like physical education Mm. um because Mm. i think they're you know one in the same um and you know if you look at the amount of uh, research school or people have done about schools and um and just children's exposure to art and children's access to getting more recess time, you see how that improves, like, you know, these student, like, focus or their grades or... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think just, like, feeding that part of your brain, um, both parts of your brain that need um, that physical um, aspect, but also just the creative side... Um, music, you know, there's such a strong relationship, correlation with um, ballet to music. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, I couldn't promote it enough, honestly, for like people who are children whose brains are developing and who, you know, that's your responsibility to, to develop their brain. And personally, like, I feel that, I don't know, my brain was more developed in a lot of ways in dance than it was in school. Actually, actually I want to back that up. I want to back that up with weightlifting as an example. Mm -hmm. And and I think here's where weightlifting and dance are the same. Um, Okay, so there's research out there that says if you want to have a very sharp, agile, flexible, creative, analytical mind, you should lift weights. Mm. And I thought that is just very interesting. And I enjoy lifting weights. I I just thought this was fascinating because I thought the study was going to say, you should read more books. Mm. And the study said, and you should also read more books. But it really (laughs) centered on weightlifting. And well, I mean, healthy body, Mm -hmm. healthy mind. Yes. It's a cliche Mm -hmm. for a reason because it's true. Absolutely. I think, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that that could be um, promoted enough is physical activity. Yeah. Um, for the right reasons, because I know our culture has um, struggled with that in hmm. um, how it has been, you know, promoted to like look a certain way. Yeah, I feel I like we. a struggle. I feel like we valorize perhaps the end result, right. and then we discard the process. Oh my gosh, the and, process and we, is the only thing that matters. Well, and, and we do oh. this. We do this at a lot of fields. For example, people might value the person who has $10 million, but maybe it's more important 
how the person got the $10 million, mm -hmm. or maybe the culture values, what weight does the scale read? But you know, you could have two people who weigh the same, who are the same height and the same gender and all the rest of that. Maybe one of them got there through fitness and much better care of their bodies. Yeah, and maybe the other person got there by I don't know, they smoked a pack of cigarettes yeah. a day so that they wouldn't eat. Exactly. So I mean there's just a wide variety of things I think where we value the final right. result and ignore mm -hmm. the process along the way. Yeah, process uh, is everything. In schools this happens all the time. Mm -hmm. I I was an A chaser, I had to get the A. Uh, I did this in high school Spanish. I really oh, regret this. I, re I well, I, I didn't get that great. Not saying I, that you did, but no, like, I, I was not cramming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. well, I'll just no, tell. This is some. Yeah, I'll just tell yeah. you what I did in Spanish. I made an A minus, and then at the end of the year, I didn't know any Spanish because I crammed for every test mm -hmm. and uh, crammed for every worksheet, etc. And then, okay, I should have taken Spanish every year, right. but I took it one year, and then four years later. I took it again in college, and okay, older, smarter, wiser, except not. None of that was true because mm -hmm. I did the exact same stupid thing. Mm -hmm. I yeah, made another a hard thing to break. Yeah, it was it was so dumb on my part mm -hmm. because now I'm looking back at this at my age, and I'm thinking that A minus in high school Spanish means nothing. Same thing with my A minus in college Spanish mm -hmm. means nothing because my Spanish is so bad. So very bad. I mean, if right. the option were, hey, go change your transcript and have an F, mm -hmm. but be fluent, yeah. I, I would want an F for fluent is what yeah. I would want, you know. Ooh. Ooh. Obviously, I could have made an A mm -hmm. and been fluent, yeah. uh, so maybe that would have been the best option, mm -hmm. but, but ultimately the grade means nothing, mm -hmm. and the fluency means everything, mm -hmm. but I have the grade and not the fluency. Mm -hmm. So that's just another example, I think, of people... I did it, aiming for the end result, yeah, the A, yeah. and skipping the process, mm -hmm. like skipping the actual thing. Sorry, mm -hmm. sorry, my big tangent. No, no, my I think tangent. That that's really important too because yeah. especially, I mean, there's different pressures for um, if, if you were wanting to pursue this professionally, there is that um, important uh, end result aspect of it. But I think... Um, if it's if it's a skill that you um, see value in, just on a non-professional level, um, these skills to be more agile, to be more flexible, to um, increase you know productivity. Because I've noticed that I've it, it's it's helped me to prioritize better. Um, you know, those are all important things that. Hmm. Yeah, you have to, I don't know. But those are, I feel like personally, those are the things that matter in in what I have learned and in how ballet has shaped me from the beginning is, you know, time management, is um, dedication, is faith, putting faith in what you, um, in what you do. Um, and yeah, and I think that is, all in all has been, um, has really shaped me for the better and has helped me to become the person I am today and hopefully will continue to help me um, to grow into that person that I'm made to be. And mm. yeah, and I think really that could only come from, personally, that growth could have only come from something that was very, uh, 
yeah, just um, intense in Very a lot of ways. Intense. So, yeah. Abby, I'd like for you to get a chance to answer that last question. Do you think grade schools, high schools, and colleges should have a dance class every single year that people can take, at least as an elective? Oh, yeah. I think that would be, yeah. Um, the confidence thing, I definitely think, is mm -hmm. real. Um, just because, like, yeah, you're, it's, I don't know, it's mysterious to me, because I was talking to, like, I was just, like, asked this man once, I was like, why are you so confident? Like, you're one of the most confident people I've ever met. And, like, I was expecting, like, this life philosophy, and he's like, I played like professional baseball for X amount of years. And mm -hmm. I was like, that's interesting. Like even something secular like that, or like my sister, for example, like before <coughs> she had life philosophy or like driving um, like religiosity behind her life. She like danced and was excellent in school. I think excellence you know, even if we can have bad motivations, like shows us, yeah, I it, I think it, I think it also, I don't know, this is something I'd ask, because you say like, people struggle a lot with like insecurities, even despite being professional, mm -hmm. you know, like, you were talking to me earlier about um, a lot, like the dance field is filled with um, like body image yeah. strife. Like, mm -hmm. it's just a common thing or people doing unhealthy things. Um, but, like, I don't know. I see, like, when you get genuinely excellent and, yeah, what you guys are saying, not just getting fixed on the end results, but, like, you know, excellent for the sake of being excellent. Like, it, it comes off in, like, your soul, too. Like, it's part of self-confidence. They say yeah. put your kids in track because, like, helps them gain self-confidence. I don't know. What would you have to say about that? Like, hmm dance and confidence yeah um i think going back to the performing aspect of dance um if you are it's all or nothing if you are on stage mm -hmm. you cannot um do it halfway do your choreography you cannot present yourself halfway um mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes it so exhausting is because you can totally be in a place of sheer um, despair with or disappointment completely with, um, hmm. with yourself hmm. or doubting your abilities. But if you, if you are on stage, you are not going to show that. <laughs> and, hmm. and it's challenging because... It's, it's very humbling in a lot of ways because you um, you're forced to swallow your pride and you any expectations that you have for yourself to be better and um, embrace exactly where you are and what you have and you can't escape reality you can't yeah. escape and mm -hmm. and and you just you know if you're criticized which most of the time I feel like you're not because the audience actually doesn't really know <laughs> anything <laughs> most of the time, especially with classical ballet. Um, you know, you, you have to, you, you do not have the choice to, um, to withhold what you have, what you have to offer. And of course it's not perfect. Technically it never will be. Of course mm -hmm. you're going to fall and, um, are going to make mistakes 
But um, if you don't show up for that, um, you know, you never, you never will. <laughs> you never will be able to show the world what you have to offer. And it's good. It doesn't have to be perfect and it can still be good. <laughs> and I'm learning that <laughs> in my own life right now. Ladies, this has just been an absolutely wild yes. ride for me. <laughs> I I feel like I've learned so much. Oh, good. And um, I, I just want to honor both of you, Molly, for just all of your hard work, but even more so for your desire to give beauty mm. to the world. Thank you. And to yeah. honor your audiences that way and to honor your your colleagues and, and your managers and just mm -hmm. all the people involved. Just Just the respect and the love and the... Uh, the gift mm -hmm. that you want to give them. I just want to honor you for that. Thank you. And, and Abby, I think that you're an amazingly good friend to Molly. And yeah, uh, I'm just so <laughs> actually kind of mind blown by the fact yeah. that the two of you have connected on such a deep level. Yeah. <laughs> two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Oh my goodness. So fun fact, the day that um, Mr. Webker asked us to do this podcast, we had met that week. Like, that Monday. That's so funny. I had known of Abby before. I had, like met you in passing. Yeah, but very much in passing. Yeah, this is crazy. Well, on the mysterious note of Abby and Molly's brand new and yet super deep friendship, I think we'll draw this podcast to a close. Yeah. Ladies, thank you. Thank you thank so much. You. Woo! Thank you for listening to this episode of Seemingly Ordinary. The next episode will be on a Tuesday or a Thursday. The biggest favor you could do for me would be for you to share this episode far and wide.